Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorne Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Foldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Adelman. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That's me and I welcome you to the uh, program. If you are a newcomer to the show... Then uh, welcome aboard. I did get a uh, message from somebody uh, just uh, yesterday or the day before. I'll just uh, bring it up. I'm going to say it's pronounced uh, Shabbat or Shabot on Twitter. It says uh, he's a new listener. Just started listening to the last three episodes. He was asking me when this episode would be released. So uh, great to to have you aboard Shabbat or Shabot and uh, all the other new listeners as well. And if you're a returning listener, then thanks for coming back and continuing to uh, download and support the Pipeline Show. Big thanks to everybody who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash Show. Enjoying your early access perks and uh, things like that. Let's get right to it. The question of the day this week, kind of a loaded one, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I put it up on Twitter just a few minutes ago, so not a whole lot of uh, action on it just yet. And it's kind of a, it's not just a straightforward question either, a little bit trickier this week, but the question is, what should the WHL do to try and reach deeper into the talent pool that is in the United States? You can find that question on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy is where you can uh, locate me on uh, the uh, the Twitter machine. Give me a follow if you're not already. If you're a fan of uh, hockey prospects and uh, a listener of the show and you're not following me, then you're probably doing something wrong because uh, that's all I tweet about, basically, is... Hockey prospects and uh, information uh, for the show. Anyway, the question of the day, the reason I ask that uh, particular question of the day is because I actually have a couple of uh, very interesting uh, tidbits to uh, bring to you right now. I'll break those on the show today. I'm, I also wrote it up. You'll find it at dubnetwork.ca either later today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, but it's all written up and uh, ready for me to uh, submit to Dub Network as a new Flaming Hot Takes uh, column. The reason I ask about uh, tapping into the American hockey pool a lot more is because the WHL is about to make uh, two real big moves to do just that. And uh, the first is a uh, a new tournament that's going to be held in Seattle. It's going to involve about a dozen teams, and some of this is still in the works. But this is, I, I've, I've heard, been hearing about it for about six weeks now, uh, and I reached out to uh, some uh, contacts throughout the league and uh, have been given five or six confirmations that uh, 
They're not just in the final standing pages, but it's basically a done deal. But some of the finer details still to work out. But there's going to be a Bantam tournament that's held in Seattle. It's going to involve about a dozen teams, at least half of which will be American Bantam teams. So up here we have a tournament in St. Albert's, the John Reed Memorial Tournament. It's been going for about 50 years. The last tournament had 16 teams. Two of them were from the United States. One of those uh, was from Phoenix, the uh, Junior Coyotes, and uh, one from L.A. That would be the Junior Kings program. And you know all the WHL teams and their scouting staff and their uh, GMs, all their head scouts, they all flock to a tournament like that because it's it's all players who are eligible for the next uh, Bantam draft. So what this new tournament will be in Seattle will be very similar to that, but it will have a lot more American content. So that's going to provide a, a much bigger showcase for those American players who are draft eligible uh, to be seen by WHL teams and by uh, scouts. It's also going to provide a lot of opportunity for those players and their families to talk to WHL people about the WHL. A lot of it is about education. And, you know, obviously you, you grew up in the United States and your mindset is uh, the way to professional sports is through NCAA. That's how you do it with basketball. That's how you do it with football. Hockey is a different beast because unlike basketball and football, there is another avenue uh, other than going the NCAA route. And that, of course, is major junior hockey. But a lot of people stateside uh, are unfamiliar with uh, with the Canadian Hockey League. It probably sounds foreign to them. It's, oh, it's the Canadian Hockey League, but not realizing, you know, there's 25% of the teams in the WHL, almost, I know, but uh, are based in the United States. And not only that, I think there's the mis- a wide misconception out there that if you play major junior hockey, you don't care about education. And that, obviously, is a fur- could not be further from the truth. The WHL just released their numbers, uh, the record number of scholarships that they've uh, given out this fall for current and former players. And you get a year's worth of uh, tuition and books paid for for every year you play in the WHL. So, uh, I mean, it's not uncommon for a guy to play five years in the WHL. Normally, it's four but not uncommon for a guy who starts as a 16-year-old and ends up as an overage player in the league. That's five years. You would get five years of post-secondary education paid for, and you can take that those classes anywhere you want. If you're in the States, you can take it in an American institution, and the WHL team will still pay for it. But I don't know if things like that are widely known south of the border. I think in Canada, most people realize this. But so if it's about educating uh, people on what the WHL and the Canadian Hockey League have to offer, then this sort of a tournament will certainly provide that opportunity for players and their families. Because it is going to be, my understanding is, it will be a WHL-run tournament. So that's the first thing. And I'm told that should be happening in and around February of 2020. So like in three, four months from now. The second thing that the WHL is doing to uh, increase their draw of American players to the WHL is starting in the spring of 2020, the WHL is going to institute a two-round American draft. Much like what's happening in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and has happened for the last two seasons, they started in 2018, every team will draft two American players. And this will happen before the regular WHL Bantam draft that happens in early May. So you're going to have a new Bantam tournament played in the United States that will showcase American players, and then you will have a two-round Bantam draft uh, specifically just for the Americans, a two-round American draft. 
for the WHL. And why why is the draft significant? Well, one GM that I talked to said uh, it's about optics and it's about, you know, you can take a player and maybe you're taking a player in the ninth or 10th round as a bit of a flyer. Potentially, you don't know if he's interested in the WHL, but he's a good player. Do you like to have him on your team? You don't want to risk that he gets drafted by someone else. Uh, you Maybe you just want to list him, put him on your protected list, but you're afraid that somebody else is going to draft him. So you're waiting and you're waiting. You're going to make a, a, like an eighth or a ninth round pick. Well, now you're taking that guy in the first or second round of the American draft, and suddenly that guy is no longer a, a late round pick. He's a first round pick. And so he's got that feeling of being wanted, that he there's a bit of prestige to that. Um, so just that sort of a change in the mindset for uh, some players, it shows that they're wanted. The hope is that uh, even something that small uh, will be an encouragement for players to uh, give the WHL another look. So I've been pretty critical of the WHL and what I have said to be, you know, not they haven't done enough to try to draw more American players. I'm going to give them credit where credit is due. I think both of these things are uh, terrific examples of the WHL, seeing that there are players. And the story I'm writing for Dub Network, it starts off this way, is that you know I think there are a lot of people out there who say the WHL with 22 teams is too big and there aren't enough players to sustain it. And I argue the, diff- the opposite, that there are enough players. They're just in the southwestern United States, you know, states like California and uh, Arizona now and Texas and Colorado and all those places where the where the NHL went to about 20 years ago. And now youth hockey has grown so much in those states that those players are now getting closer and closer and are already of the age where they are pushing for, you know, NHL jobs. They're, we're seeing NHL players now from places like that. I mean, Austin Matthews is a perfect example. So the players are there, and if you can't get the players to come to you, Go to the players. And, you know, I, I had that interview, I, that conversation with Pete Labardius a couple of summers ago about creating a fourth CHL league. Uh, Coles and Oates uh, split the w- the current WHL in half with the two conferences uh, and uh, named the BC and the U.S. division uh, the PHL, the Pacific Hockey League. And then slowly, gradually, over time, as those two, as the two new leagues get their feet under them, start gradually expanding south to where the players are now while that idea i think is still pretty far-fetched realistic i think but far-fetched what the whl is doing with this new bantam tournament in seattle and in a two-round american draft i think deserves to be uh, commended so two thumbs up from the pipeline show on uh, that for the whl i would love to hear your thoughts so hit me up on twitter at tps underscore gee what you think of the the new the upcoming and so far unannounced uh, Bantam tournament in Seattle and the uh, American draft uh, for the WHL. What you think about those two ideas? Let's get to the news and notes portion. We'll start with the CHL top 10 that comes out every Wednesday. So going into this weekend's action, here's how the top 10 looks in the CHL. Sherbrooke holds on to that number one spot. The Edmonton Oil Kings uh, jump up to the number two position. Oshawa moves down to number three. Prince Albert holds steady at 4, followed by Shikudumi at 5. The Moncton Wildcats jump up to 6. Cape Breton holds steady at 7, followed by Owen Sound at 8. The Everett Silvertips are at 9, and the Flint Firebirds off to a terrific start this season. Great story there in Flint. 
And they are at number 10. Honorable mentions go to Peterborough, Portland, and the Windsor Spitfires. In the queue, and uh, my, one of my guests today, the CHL Insider guest, is Patrick McNeil. He's the voice of the uh, Cape Breton Eagles. And I chatted with him yesterday. And they have a, a big home-and-home home, uh, series this weekend with the Moncton Wildcats. Well, game one of that series was last night. And boy, it got ugly for the uh, Eagles as they dropped a 10-4 decision uh, to the uh, Moncton Wildcats. And uh, bad news in that one as uh, Eagles netminder Kevin Mandelis uh, left the game midway through and uh, have not heard an update yet on uh, how severe that injury is. But that obviously would be a blow to the Eagles. Sherbrooke still the number one team uh, in the CHL and obviously in the queue, but Moncton uh, right behind them uh, in the standings, just uh, four points back. And uh, with a game in hand, that's going into weekend play, as I'm speaking with you now on Friday. Top scorers in the queue haven't changed from uh, last week. It's the trio from Ramuski, Cedric Paré, Alexi Lafreniere, both with 43 points, and Dmitry Zavgorodna with 36. Igor Sokolov and Ryan Francis, both from Cape Breton, round out the top five. Over in the OHL, the Oshawa Generals in first place in the league. With 23 points, but I'm going to go by winning percentage, and uh, they're still in first place. Flint is next with a 769 uh, winning percentage. Great 10 and 3 record uh, to start the year for the Firebirds. That's a, that's a nice story, and a great to great to see that franchise turning a corner. The Windsor Spitfires might be seventh in standing by points, but they have the uh, third best winning percentage right now, followed by the Peterborough Peets and the Owen Sound Attack. Also saw news that the London Knights uh, have now f- officially acquired Dylan Miskew. And uh, what was interesting is I had reported like two weeks ago that Miskew was in London working out with the Knights. Well, before they could sign him, he had to go through OHL waivers. And the Sarnia Sting, recognizing that the, the London Knights were about to sign Miskew, said, you know what, we're going to sign him instead. We'll take him on the waivers and then uh, trade him to the London Knights. And that way they would get something uh, back for him. And uh, they got the goaltender that the Knights traded. That'd be Jordan Cooey. So a nice heads-up move there by Sting GM Nick Sinclair. Meanwhile, Miskew, now with the Knights, uh, has yet to get into a game, but uh, perhaps uh, that'll happen this weekend. The Knights are at home to Owen Sound uh, tonight on Friday and are on the road in Oshawa on Sunday. Here in the Western Hockey League, the Edmonton Oil Kings are first place with the 10-1-3 record and an 8-21 winning percentage. Prince Albert defending champs are uh, right behind them, two points back, and uh, they have a 7-50 winning percentage. So do the Everett Silvertips have a 7-50. They've only played 12 games, though. Meanwhile, uh, Portland and Calgary are also tied at uh, 17 points and a 7-08 winning percentage. Don't snooze on the Lethbridge Hurricanes. They've really played some good hockey. Just going by points, they are just uh, one win back of the Edmonton Oil Kings. They have played a couple of games more, though, than uh, everybody else. And so their winning percentage uh, puts them seventh in the WHL. Well, I forgot to give you uh, top scores in the OHL. Let's go back for a second. Arthur Kaliev and Quinton Byfield uh, leading way with 31 points each. Sean Jostling has 27. So does Cole Perfetti. Jostling plays for the Sting and uh, Perfetti. For the Saginaw Spirit, Connor McMichael of the London Knights is fifth with 26 points. Also saw on Twitter, somebody had actually uh, tagged me in a tweet that 
I'll just read it to you. Um, at OHL Insiders reporting that uh, 22 of the Niagara Ice Dogs players met with the union regarding poor treatment, and the OHL is uh, pissed. That's uh, what was reported by OHL Insiders. Uh, I don't know who the 22 players are, uh, but it's if it's if that's an accurate number, that's most of the team. I don't know who the union is either, if that's the old CHLPA people still kicking around. But I guess the bigger question is, what's hap- if that's true, what's happening in Niagara that's got the uh, players upset? And uh, hopefully the league is going to step in, and uh, or at least there's some sort of investigation to see what exactly is going on. All right, back to the WHL and uh, the uh, leading scorers in the league. Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers has 21 points. Adam Beckman, after a couple of really strong weeks, is uh, number two. He's got 20 points. A trio of players with 19, Bryce Kindop from Everett, Alexi Protus of the PA Raiders, and St. Franklin, also of the Camelot's Blazers. They all have 19 points. The natural next step from the uh, CHL is U-Sports. Let's uh, check the standings, starting with uh, Ontario East, and uh, the. And it looks like Carlton uh, continuing to lead the standings there. They have a 7-1 record going into this weekend's play. UQTR is next. That's at Three Rivers. And a bit of a gap from those two teams to the rest of the conference. In Ontario West, it's a Windsor still leading the way. Toronto right behind. And then a bit of a drop to Guelph and Brock, who are 500. Everybody else in the conference is below 500. On the East Coast, in the Atlantic uh, Conference, the Acadia Axemen still leading the way. Now with an 8-1 and one record. UNB ha- is 7-2, uh, and two, followed by St. Mary's at 5-3. And, and in Canada West, the University of Alberta Golden Bears are back on top. Now with a 7-1 and one record, Calgary drops to 6-1-1. One one. Mount Royal right uh, dead even in points uh, with the uh, with the Dinos at 6-2. and two. Uh, Excuse me, the Dinos actually have one more point because of an overtime loss. And leading all U sports in uh, statistical uh, scoring is Matt Alfaro, plays for the Calgary Dinos, longtime WHLer making use of his uh, scholarship package, which, of course, is good to see. Let's go to the top 20 in the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Junior A in Canada. The Brooks Bandits are number one, followed by Battlefords. The Shored Park Crusaders uh, drop one spot from two to three. Powassan, the Voodoos, are four. Longueil is at five. The Toronto Patriots out of the OJHL are six. Carlton Place. Salmon Arm, Okotoks, and Wellington round out the top 10, followed by Timmins, the Spruce Grove Saints, Thunder Bay, Summerside, Oakville, Penticton, the V's are at 16, the Portage Terriers are at 17, and you've got Steinbeck, South Shore, and the Coquitlam Express out of the BCHL are ranked 20th. Dip south of the border, quick look at the USHL. And if you went by points, the Chicago Steel would be the top club. They have 15 points have played 10 games, but then you've got the Dubuque Fighting Saints who have only played 7 games and are off to a 6-0-1 record, so their winning percentage, 929, is the best in the USHL. I don't know how they've only played 7 games and the U.S. Development Program, they've played 12. Most teams have played 10 or 11, but then Dubuque and uh, Fargo have only played 7, so really unbalanced schedule uh, so far in the, the USHL. You look at the uh, top scorers in the league. Matthew DeCefali, Trevor Kuntar, Alex Laferriere, 
all with 15 points, respectively. Carson Bantle, who's already been on the show, draft eligible this year, he has uh, 14 points, as does Sean Farrell of the Chicago Steel. And we'll uh, round out the news and notes with a look at the NCAA. The Denver Pioneers continue to be the number one ranked team in the nation. They are 6-0 to begin the year. Minnesota State is number two. The Minutemen of Massachusetts is our three. Cornell is four. They have yet to play a game. Notre Dame is five. That top five has not changed from last week. Minnesota Duluth, well, they swept the Golden Gophers, and that bumps them up from eight to six. And it pushes Wisconsin down one spot to seven, and Providence one spot down to eight. Quinnipiac stays at nine. Northeastern rounds out the top ten. And 11 through 20 goes like this. Clarkson, Penn State, Ohio State, North Dakota, Boston College, which is interesting. BC has a uh, losing record right now, 2-3, and three, yet they're still in the top 20. St. Cloud is 16. Then UMass Lowell, Bowling Green, Harvard, who hasn't played yet, and Northern Michigan. And that is your top 20 in the NCAA. And some interesting matchups this weekend in uh, Division One play. Well, the Ivies do get going this weekend. Yale is hosting Brown, and Harvard welcomes Dartmouth to town, so at least a couple of those clubs get going. And I see Cornell is uh, at Michigan State to play the Spartans. Colgate at Providence. Arizona State hosting Quinnipiac uh, this weekend. Denver takes on Niagara. Princeton is in uh, Minnesota to play the uh, St. Cloud State Huskies. Other games of note, Boston College is at UNH. Northeastern is hosting Massachusetts. BU is in Maine to take on the Black Bears. Minnesota State and Bowling Green collide. That could be a good one. The only conference game in the NCHC, at least on Friday, uh, sees the Western Michigan Broncos at Colorado College. How about Wade Allison uh, hurt again? Haven't heard the severity if he's going to be back this weekend, but missed last weekend's play. Every Flyers fan out there is like, ugh, not again. And I'm sure Allison feeling the same way. In the Big Ten, Wisconsin will go to Penn State. That should be an offensive uh, weekend series. Michigan is at Ohio State, and the Golden Gophers are hosting the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Let's get to the guest list and uh, what's coming down the pipe today. Four guests you're going to hear from on the show. I mentioned Patrick McNeil, the voice of the Cape Breton Eagles. He's going to lead the way as my CHL insider. That's brought to you by the Store Next Door company in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, employing people with disabilities, collecting as many broken hockey sticks as they can get their hands on and taking those sticks and turning them to some uh, real cool stuff. Go to their website, thestorenextdoor.ca, check out their catalog and see what uh, interests you. Really great cause. I think you should support them for sure. From the queue, we'll go to an in-the-dub segment. Larry Fisher writes for the Hockey Writers, also does some scouting work for uh, future considerations. He's going to be my guest We're going to look closely at the BC division up to this point. Of course, the Kelowna Rockets hosting the Memorial Cup this year. So lots to talk about with Larry Fisher. Then it'll be our NCAA campus report. Uh, Chris Peters from ESPN, my guest. We're going to chat uh, about a lot of stuff. Not all of it, uh, just college related as uh, Kirby Doc's name comes up. I wanted to get uh, Chris's take on that situation with the Chicago Blackhawks. It's been announced he's going to stay with the Blackhawks. Obviously a blow to the Blades. But we'll talk to Chris about that, also about the changes to the, um, well, the scrapping of the All-American prospect game and the changes to the USHL top prospect game. I'll ask him about the Wisconsin Badgers and why so much attention for Cole Caulfield and, well, Alex Turcotte, drafted higher than him, is kind of being lost in the shuffle. So lots to talk about with Chris. And uh, we'll close out today's show with the 2020 draft spotlight. 
And for that, we're going over to Sweden. And uh, Noel Gundler is uh, going to be my guest. He's uh, pegged by most as a uh, probable first-round pick in the 2020 draft. I think you'll like that conversation. So we'll close the show out with that one. So lots to get to today, but we'll start it off with our CHL Insider segment. Patrick McNeil, the voice of the Cape Breton Eagles, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show. And Raymond stays with him, Lafreniere pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works it, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. 